It's 5 a.m. on a dock in May on Moosehead Lake in the heart of Maine. Welcome to the Fish Nerds and our special Highlands of Maine episode. I'm Clay, and anything is fair game, and you know what? I got nothing here, Dave. I am cold and tired, and we've had so much fun that I don't have a funny line here. What's great is, all right, so we're sitting in a cabin that's at least 100 years old. Easily. Yeah, what the cabins here at Wilson's, they said 18, we should know this. We should know this. <laughs> it's 1870-something. Uh, they said Ulysses S. Grant stayed in one of these ones. That would be... Interesting research to do. That would be. Yeah. I wonder if he left anything. Let's dig holes. (laughs) (laughs) But these cabins are, I mean, it really is quintessential. I was mentioning yesterday um, while fishing that growing up in Indiana, I was, as as most young kids are who are fish nerds, just completely hungry for anything written about fishing. And back, back, back in the day, there wasn't all this micromedia where you could learn about every little bit of fishing. You pretty much had sports afield, in fishermen was just starting, um, outdoor life, you know, all these really classic publications. And I would read sports afield and things and read about these places where these trout were hitting these spinners and how wonderful it is in the moose. And there was always that crazy picture of like, Brush with Death. It was an article where the bear was, like, coming out to kill somebody. Wow, well, we saw that yesterday. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw lots of things. And right now, we're sitting in this cabin by Moosehead Lake. Right on the water. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. And it's the kind of thing that can't happen anymore. Like, you could not get a permit to build a structure this close to this lake. Right. So your only option is finding these old yeah. these old camps and taking advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's pouring rain outside. Yeah, we were supposed to be fishing right now. Right. We were talking about doing a float trip and fly fishing for salmon. Right. But uh, we actually had a great trip later uh, yesterday that we'll so talk about. In the, yesterday this. was great. Today yeah. it's raining and you know, anyone who's under our age, like under 40, probably would have gone fishing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, we are old. And <laughs> All right. So let, this the, is a good intro to yeah. this, this segment. What is the craziest conditions that you've been fishing in in your grizzled life? Okay. So uh, this is true story. Yeah. So when I worked at the Amoskeag Fishways in Manchester, New Hampshire, there's a giant dam. It's 715 feet across and 30-some-odd feet tall. Mm-hmm. And at the top of the dam, they've got what's called flashboards. And there are these four-foot pieces of plywood that hold the water back. And they're designed to fail. At some point, they break, and the waterfall opens up. <laughs> Which and, is a wonderful thing, by the yeah. way. Designed to fail. Right. I, 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 do, I practice that in my work life. So my friend Tattoo Dan and I, uh, we canoed across the river and tied the canoe to a tree between two trickles of water below the dam. And we were fishing for smallmouth and having a great time. 
we did not know a giant thunderstorm was happening north of us. And so this, basically this wall of water came down. The buzzers on the dam go, bah, bah, bah. you got like a minute to get out of there. We're 10 minutes from the canoe. Oh my God. And the flashboards failed and we're below the dam. So you're seeing these flashboards fall. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're booking it to it. We grab our fishing rods, put them in our teeth, and we actually jumped into the fast water and we went feet first down to a little island where our canoe was tied off on. And we got to our canoe, threw our stuff in, paddled to shore. Oh and my And by gosh. the time we got our stuff uploaded on the car, we were driving up the hill from the put in and there were zodiacs in the water, all kinds of rescue people around, and people standing on top of the dam, dam with um, binoculars. And we pull up to a policeman and we say, hey, so what's going on? And we're soaking wet and there's, you can tell we just came out of the water. And the, the policeman says, well, there's a couple of guys who are fishing down there and the dam opened up on them. And I said, huh, because we were just down there fishing. We didn't see anybody. <laughs> so, and then there was that. Uh, that was a true, that's very, a totally true story, though. Wow. Yeah. How about you? Um, <laughs> well, I have a brief dam story. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't have to do with fishing, but it has to do with skipping school. That's almost the same thing. Right. And back in high school, when I didn't have a girlfriend, that was basically the same thing. You know, I'd skip school to go fishing. I like that you say back in high school when you didn't have a girlfriend. Like, that was an abnormal thing. Yeah, it was you this know? very unusual time. I went through this two-week dry spell in high school and I didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so my best friend and I skipped school and we went down to a river. And, uh, you know, so we did the typical kicking around the river and all this and and he had his he, he had these brand new uh air jordans kind of thing nice were those the ones you pump up no that was pre-pump up oh old school old school and uh and so you know he didn't want to get them wet so he put them up on the you know shore and all this so then we wade across and i i don't know we were fishing for carp or something but then the dam let loose, and then you know kind of thing it's a spooky sound yeah <laughs> it's unnerving which really, at some point, somebody had to make that decision what sound was right. going to be used. Well, they, they experimented with like, um, excuse me, guys, can you can you get going? And no one reacted to that. Right. And then they tried. Everyone just laughed a lot. Right. Yeah. But then they thought, oh, this one works. Yeah. You know, it's the same sound, I think. And you ever see um, uh, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise? Yes. And they had that horrible. I think that's the damn sound, too. It might be. Yeah. Anyway, so the water comes up, and we actually see his shoes floating away down the river. Like, because oh. they filled up, and they didn't, you know, it was a nice slow thing, mm-hmm. and they just floated down the river. So he went, and he got one. So he had to go home and explain to his parents how he lost a shoe and had one wet shoe left. Oh, that's sad. At and, and at that age, when you're talking your parents into buying you a $100 pair of shoes... Which is back in the, like the what early fifties? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's a tough sell. I can imagine that being challenging. That was tough. We're avoiding that today up here in Moosehead Lake. Right, but again, if we were younger, we'd be out there, and we recommend you use caution. But do what you want to do. <laughs> we we should start the show. Let's do it. This is Allison. I'm coming to you from Wilson's on Moosehead Lake live. <laughs> we are located in the Maine Highlands, and what that means is if you look at this. Map of Maine, in the center of it, you will see Piscataquis and Penobscot counties. 
And the Maine Highland is one of eight regions in Maine, kind of anchored by Bangor, Katahdin, and of course, Moosehead Lake. We have all kinds of outdoor opportunities for you. The great thing about the Highlands is you can have a little piece of everything all in one area. If you want to learn about history, we have museums, we have great history that has happened here throughout the years. If you want to enjoy the outdoors, you could not spend enough time here to enjoy everything we have to offer. Um, and the other the great thing is an hour or two drive from us. There's all kinds of different stores, shopping. You want to do a little gambling. Yes, we have a casino. Um, Bangor has an airport that flies internationally. Great places to eat in the Highlands. I would recommend anything from seafood to great pubs. Um, there's a lot of little restaurants that have the little tagline. It's a pub and grill. So you can go in, have a beer, have a great steak, have a nice salad, whatever it is you're looking for, you can find it here. So there are so many different fishing opportunities. If you like to fly fish, there are world-class fly fishing rivers here. Um, if you enjoy trolling on the lake, Moosehead is a huge lake, 40 miles long, 20 miles wide. And you look out across and there are so few boats out there. That's one of the best things that we hear from our guests, people coming to visit that they just get to enjoy the lake and feel like they're the only ones out there. And there are other great places in the Highlands as well for fishing. I know our friends at Twin Maple Outdoors have some great fishing adventures that they offer as well. They do some fishing in Old Town, that's also part of the Highlands. And so there's pretty much endless opportunities if you enjoy fishing. The biggest reason I think folks come to the Highlands is just to enjoy the outdoors and each other. Whether it's a group of fishing friends, snowmobiling, or entire family reunion we've seen it all and everybody seems to enjoy their time together and making memories and experiences that last a lifetime any time of year is the best to come um, the highlands offers winter activities if you enjoy snowshoeing cross-country skiing anything non-motorized we also have amazing snowmobile trails that connect you from region to region with great places to stop and eat along the way um, springtime, fall is known for its foliage, a lot of hiking. You just can't go wrong. We, uh, with the help of folks out here in the Maine Highlands, had the opportunity to talk to a real fisheries biologist. A real one. The real deal. No joke. Tim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are a mensch. You coming out here, not knowing what you're getting into. <laughs> Just because some folks said, hey, these fish nerds want to talk to a fisheries biologist. So thank you so much, sir. No problem. And thanks to the uh, Department of Fish and Game, the main Department of Fish and Game, uh, for, uh, for all the management stuff they do. Now, out here on Moosehead, um, first of all, what species could an angler expect to encounter? Most, uh, most anglers come here to fish for brook trout, landlocked salmon, or lake trout. There. We do have a few bass. They were illegally introduced in the 70s, um, but not too many people come up to fish for those. It's primarily the cold water game fish. Mm. And we were just talking about this time in the season. It's May. What is today? May, May 14th. May 14th. Yeah. Um, and you were saying things are just waking up. What's happening on the lake fish-wise right now? 
Well, the smelts, the smelt runs are just starting to wind down in the northern part of the lake. They actually were a little bit earlier in the southern part of the lake. What part of the lake are we at? We're actually <laughs> in the middle right okay. here. We're at the east outlet. So up at the Moose River uh, and streams north of there, there may still be some smelts trickling in around there. They're still congregated at the mouth of the Moose River. So if you guys take a ride up to Rockwood today and uh, look out in the lake, you'll see a uh, big flotilla of boats up there. People will be catching salmon and toad right in the mouth of Moose River. It's been we've had some reports the last week that's been really good fishing up there these mm. last this last week and a half. Is that where we're going? I, I, I assume so. Scott Scott had a glint in his eye when he's he saying, a, he's "Oh, excited. I could get you on some fish." Okay, so good. Uh, <laughs> so that's good. Now the um, the smelt are a native species here. Um, actually, they're not. Smelt and salmon were introduced in the late eighteen hundreds. But the brook trout and the lake trout are native here. Mm. We do stock uh, we stock some of the tributaries with brook trout, like the east outlet. Actually, the, those are not tributaries; they're outlets. The east outlet and the west outlet are stocked with some brook trout. A few of the smaller ponds that drain into Moosehead have brook trout stock. So, occasionally you'll get some hatchery fish trickling in. But most of the trout that you catch in Moosehead Lake are wild trout. Mm. Uh, the salmon we stock around five. We're stocking around five thousand right now, but. We have reproduction, natural reproduction going on in all the tributaries, so there's probably, I'm going to go out on a limb and say 30 to 50,000 salmon are produced in those tributaries every year, wild salmon. So mm-hmm. if you want to, and all the lake trout are wild. So if you want to, that, that's kind of one of the things that sets this area apart from other places. If you want to come and catch wild fish, this is the place to be right here. Yeah, and Sadly, that's rare. More rare and rare as as time goes on, as you know, stocking programs. Well, in New Hampshire, so you use the word um, native and wild a lot. In New Hampshire, they don't use native brook trout as a term. Fishing game is just about stopped using it. Yeah, they'll say wild, right? Which means they've been, they've been mixed with the natives have mixed with the stocked fish, right? But you're like, oh, there's some native things. In there there. Are some, that's exciting. There's a place if. If you were to put a pin right here in, on the map and draw a circle of a 45-minute drive, there are a number, probably dozens of ponds that you could go fish that have never, ever been stocked at all with mm-hmm. trout, and you can go catch some nice trout. So for 10,000 years, it's been this genetic strain in, the, in those ponds. So that's really unique. In, I mean, Maine, Maine was recently recognized as one of the last places on the East Coast where we have good numbers of intact Native population, native and wild populations of brook trout. Right now, now brook trout are char, right? That's correct. And Maine also has Arctic char as a species of fish. We is do. that something in this area, or is that further away? It, they're a little further away, but um, so just north of here in Penobscot Lake, maybe an hour and a half ride from here, you could be on a lake that has Arctic char. Uh, Rainbow Lake, which is very remote, you can only fly into it, has Arctic char, and we also have one other smaller pond which actually was in a very uh, bad situation recently when somebody put, introduced smelts into that lake that had wild char. And we've, we know from other places that smelts and char do not interact well, and actually the char end up on the losing end of the stick. So we actually rec- took a bunch of char out of that pond, took them to a hatchery, rec- chemically reclaimed the pond, and then put the char back in. When you say well, chemically reclaiming, you mean you, you cleansed the pond of fish? We <laughs> called it nuking. <laughs> yes. I didn't know how far you want to go with that. But, but. <laughs> we use rotenone. You basically kill all the fish in the pond. Oh yes. Gosh. It's a, it's, that's really the last tool 
in the fisheries biologist toolbox when you have no other option but to kill everything and then hit you basically hit the reset button. Right. So in that situation, we had a native char population, a native brook trout population, and char, they're only present in, in about a dozen waters in Maine. And, that, and that, those dozen waters are the only char waters in the 50 U.S. states. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the, the states, uh, not including Alaska, I think there are some in Alaska, but, you know, uh, so it's a high priority for us to protect those fish. So in that case, we took out the char, we took out, actually took out brook trout too, took them to the hatchery, mm-hmm. put the rote known in the pond in October, let it set over the winter, came back in the spring and put the fish back in. And it dissipates okay and the fish are okay. Yeah, everything, that. yeah. 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 Now, what about all the the rough fish species that maybe you know the, the supportive fish like the they're minnows gone. and all that? All the- they're all gone. In that lake, there were only there was only one other minnow species, and that species was probably uh, present up in the tributaries. So I'm sure that they will reestablish. But basically, we have a now have a pond up there that has just char and brook trout, which is the way it was for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good for you for the for the department for taking a stand on on reclamation of that because I, I assume the public, certain aspects of the public might have a problem with wiping out nuking a pond. Well, it can be a controversial thing, in especially in more developed areas. But up there, I, mean, I think everybody understood exactly what was going on and what mm. was at risk up there. And it it's in a very undeveloped area, so we didn't have any. There was no controversy with that right. project. Just don't at tell all. anybody. We <laughs> <laughs> did have people drive by and scratching their heads. Yeah. But once you explain it to them, people understand. You should have come up with like 10 different stories of why the fish all die. Right. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. Skinny dippers. <laughs> yeah. uh, are there catfish species, species out here? Uh, we do have hornpout, but they are very limited and they're small. They don't grow well. The water up here is cold right. compared to a lot of places. That's why, in fact, that's why the trout and salmon do so and toad do so well up mm-hmm. here, and that's why the bass do not do well up here because we have really cold. Even during the summertime, the surface temperature will get to about 70 degrees for about the first foot. When you dive off the dock, <laughs> even in July, yeah, you can feel the difference. It's painful. It's cold. What about burbot and cusk? Yes, yes, a lot of cusk. A lot of cusk. It's good cusk now, fishing. Now, mm-hmm. a, lot of our, a lot of our listeners don't know cusk. They... they what do you call it? They hibernate in the summertime? What's the word for that? Nope. They're active in the summer, really? but they're hard to catch. You've got to be down. They're on the bottom. They're bottom feeders. They like the cold water. Most people catch them in the wintertime right. because they actually they spawn in February, so they're really active in the wintertime. And so, yeah, if you wanted to go cusk fishing, you would want to come up here for February vacation, and you fish at night, and you set your bait on the bottom, and it's pretty good cusk fishing. Yeah, a lot and you get some monsters out of this lake? There's some good ones, yeah. That's freshwater mm-hmm. cod. We get them in New Hampshire, too, one of my favorite fish to catch in the wintertime. I didn't catch any this year. Oh. Ice sucked. It was just it <laughs> That's barely, right. barely ice fish. So. That's right. There wasn't any ice Really fish. fun fish, yeah. What about um, – now, uh, Scott, who's going to take us out fishing here in a second, um, was talking about chubs. Um, what chub species is, is he talking about in here? Well, I think he's probably referring to fall fish, mm-hmm. which are – they can grow very large. In fact, down Indian Pond, which is just down below the east and west outlet, uh, if there's such a th- thing as world-renowned for chubs, that would be it. Because you can go <laughs> catch a two- to three-pound chub down there on a rapala in the summertime 
without any trouble. So, oh yeah. my gosh, I would do that all day, <laughs> all day. First of all, fall fish are delicious. <laughs> they are. They are great fish cakes, and we had them we had them cooked up uh, with duck eggs once, and they were so just really good. Huh. So they should be eaten. Uh, they're native, right? They are. They are native, so that's something we should appreciate, yeah. and they're easy to catch. So. Yeah. What's not to love? Yeah, you what is you that? Probably, you probably wouldn't want to admit that you eat them up here. You'll get some strange looks. We get that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, I, don't know Tim, I don't know if Dave told you, we've eaten every kind of freshwater fish in New Hampshire. There's 48 species. We ate them all. Okay. So everything from, you know, red, uh, you know, northern red belly northern days. Northern red belly days. Wow. Through state, Dave has a state record, channel cat record. We ate that too. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so that was, yeah, there's, um, we, we've done it all. So golden shiners, are they out in here? Yes, golden shiners, lake chubs, creek chubs, of course smelt. Uh, smelt are the main forage for the game fish here. Mm. Um, yeah, that's probably most of what you're going to see for, for bait fish. By the way, golden shiners smoked? I'm serious. They're really, really good. But I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. They're also good, breaded, breaded and fried and dipped in like chipotle sauce. Eat them whole, heads and all. Just it's true. So good. I know. It yeah. seems ridiculous. Um, are, are pumpkin seeds part of the mix up here? Um, I think we do have a few sunfish here too, yeah. But they're not not common at all. Yeah. The warm water species really have a hard time making it here. Mm. It's just so cold that, uh, you know, like with smallmouth bass, they have to reach a certain size before... They, before the water temperature drops below 50 in the fall, if they don't reach that certain size as as young of the year, they don't make it through the winter. They they have high mortality rates. So that's the limiting factor. Yes, and the and the, there are a lot of summers on Moosehead where the water temperature is not warm enough for a long enough period of time for the bass to survive. So it's low recruitment. The ones, the few that survive, grow very large. Yeah. Which and of course the drawback is they compete with the especially with our native brook trout in Moosehead Lake, which is why they are not really favored here. They were illegally introduced in the 70s, mm-hmm. and they're much more prolific than brook trout. A typical bass will lay thousands of eggs, where a trout will only lay hundreds of eggs, so they overtake the habitat, and they push the trout out. So we're not really fond of bass in Moosehead. There are other places around where they're great, and people love to go catch them, and that's fine, but this is not really the place for them. Yeah, yeah. Are, are there are there lakes in Maine where where they say you know what catch as many bass as you can and keep them all there's no limit yeah. or do they follow like statewide these are the rules? That's the way it is in Moosehead. It's an S13, no size of bag limit on bass. So Moosehead. if we catch bass, just keep as many as we can. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, are there any other special regulations that an angler coming up here ought to know about? Uh well, for for brook trout, we have a 14 inch length limit. Uh, Actually, one of the interesting things is we've actually gone through a period on Moosehead where we've had, believe it or not, too many fish, too many lake trout. I, I don't believe it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's such a thing. Right. Some I've people are craziness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard concept for people to understand sometimes that you can have too many fish. But they, we had a period from the, ni- from the early 90s, really right up and through about 2010, where we had so many lake trout in the lake that they basically were eating us out of house and home. Hmm. So the growth was suffering, not only for lake trout, but for salmon and brook trout. So we've had some fairly liberal regulations in the past. In 2008, we actually went to no size of bag limit on lake trout under 18 inches to finally get ahead of that population. And, and it worked very well. We were we did a little bit of education with the anglers trying to tell them, you know, this is a fairly radical change, but we have a fairly significant problem. So 
we went to no size a bag. We created a uh, derby in the wintertime to bring people up. Mm. And within about three or four years, we took out, I think it was close to 100,000 toll came out of the lake in that period. And the growth started to, growth has really improved now. And so there are a lot more smelts in the lake. The fish are getting fatter. They're surviving better. So right now we have a five fish limit on on lake trout or togue, uh, same thing. And you can keep, all five can be between 14 and 18 inches, and only one can be over 18 inches. So we're trying to protect some of the bigger fish, but encouraging people to harvest some of the smaller fish still. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And if people want to learn more about, about fishery rules in Maine or they're traveling up to the Moosehead region, where can they go find that? Well, of course, the Fish and Wildlife website has a lot of information. We have the law book is right on there. There's all kinds of information about uh, fisheries management. So that's where that's the first place I would go. Great. And we'll put a link up at fishnerds.com and, and share it with all these stories as they go out. Any uh, final words you want to say about fishing the Moosehead region? Well, I just encourage people to come up. If they're into wild fish, they want a wilderness experience, this is the place to come, really. Yeah, excellent. I do have a quiz for you before you get oh, out oh, of here. Oh, good. Yeah, yes. you like this. Uh, let me, let me get, find it. Hold on. <laughs> talk about something else. Talk about salmon. Where'd they come from? Oh, Vega? Or- yeah, so, yeah, let's talk about salmon. So salmon aren't made up to this lake. Where'd they, how'd they get here? Right, so we, uh, we stock them every year, and the hatchery... Uh, that we get most of our salmon from is located in Emden. They're actually West Grand strained salmon. Are these the same salmon they use for stocking like the Merrimack and Connecticut River in, in New Hampshire, Massachusetts? I know we get we get our salmon from Maine. Yeah. So I think we have two different strains. We have the Sebago strain and the West Grand strain. Mm-hmm. And so if your fish are coming from the Casco or, or one of those hatcheries down in southern Maine, it's probably the Sebago strain, whereas ours come from West Grand. But... Uh, so all the lakes up here are pretty much stocked with that strain of salmon. And which one tastes better? <laughs> I think <laughs> the jury's still out on that, yeah. I think. Cool. All right, Dave, got uh, our famous fish quiz here. Yes. And this is, this is fish-related only uh, because fish live in lakes. All right? <laughs> so the, I have names here that are inspired by the name of the lake here, Moosehead Lake. And uh, why is it called Moosehead? I suppose somebody thought it looked like a moosehead at some point. <laughs> I don't know. Well, keep that in mind as we go through this list. So your task is to hear the name of the lake that I'll that I'll say it is. And you have to tell me if that's a true name or a false name. So all you have to do is go true or false. If it actually exists or doesn't exist. Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. So okay, the- I've got like, is it all in this area? No. <laughs> so you're in trouble. There's, there's, you know, it's funny. This morning, Zoe says, Zoe says, uh, hey, Mom, guess the name of the planet that was in our solar system before Earth. There was 10 planets at one point. Guess it. She goes, Mom, she goes I have no idea. And Zoe goes, come on. But like, at least you give just two choices, true or false, right? Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah, so at least I'm not asking you to guess that. So the first one, Bearhead. False. That's true. There's in Minnesota, Bearhead Lake. Oh, it's not even in Maine. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Actually, none of these are in Maine. So I'm a Maine guy. I, I, I rarely get out of the woods. <laughs> By the way, it's a long drive to get out of Maine from here. So it, it is. Yeah. And I just got to say that it looks like a lot of Mainers never get out of the woods. I'm just saying on the drive up. <laughs> Why would you leave? Though? Why, <laughs> why would you leave? Uh, the next one, I'll, I'll go ahead and say the state. I'll make it easier, right? Okay. Uh, Michigan Shavehead. False. It's true. There's, there's somebody, somebody decided. I'm sure you made that one up. I don't know these answers. 
<laughs> I'm just going to say false to all of them. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, New York, Blockhead. <laughs> so we've had Shavehead. Hmm. I'm going to say false. Yeah, you're right. It does not exist. <laughs> There's no no Blockhead. Like, oh, But there really ought to be, you know. Uh, Minnesota, Knucklehead. Oh, that's got to be true. It is true. <laughs> Northern <laughs> Knucklehead. Wouldn't you love to have a cabin on Knucklehead? I'm in. Uh, Florida, Puddinhead. It's got to be true. I'm going to go false on that. It's true. No, I, I've been to Florida and I've met the people. <laughs> so so Puddinhead totally Puddinhead, works. Total thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah very good. Horsehead, Michigan. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It's creepy though. It's like a you know, like a mafia thing. You know, you know, oh, yeah. have a horse head in your lake. Yeah, don't stay in those cabins. Yeah, exactly. Deadhead. Deadhead Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Washington. <laughs> that's true. It is true. Really? <laughs> yes, it's Deadhead Lake. Somebody decided to name it. After Jerry Garcia, I guess. Yeah, but it's, oh, but it's not a finger lake. Uh, right. Cause, cause never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I'm going to cut this down to the last one here. Butthead, Michigan. Hmm. Is that anywhere near Beavis? <laughs> I'm going to say false. It's true. <laughs> they, do, true. they do have, and it's funny you mentioned Beavis because there was another place that had a Beavis Lake. And when the um, when the census did it, they for jokes changed the name. And there's a whole story you can Google it, and it changed Beavis Lake to Butthead Lake. That's good so, news. I know. There you <laughs> That's go. Good so news. you're oh. a winner, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. So, so big thanks to Tim Obrey from Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. Uh, great having you out here. And you know, it's really important to us to meet biologists and people who know more than we do, so then we can pretend to be nerdier than we are. <laughs> you are a true nerd. Thank you so much. Thanks, Clay. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Tim. Okay, Dave. Fish in the news. Wow. We even have news in the great north. <laughs> it's true. This is old school. You're going to hear the paper. Cool. Isn't that weird? Yeah. All right. So this story comes from the Boston Herald. Great. I know. It's real. I don't know. <laughs> no joke. Um, the title reads, The Codfather. Oh, my gosh. Let's just put it away. They're not even trying, Dave. <laughs> the Codfather Fishing Magnet. And that's M-A-G-N-A-T-E. So it's the, it's like, you know, the big deal. Pleads not guilty to charges. So what are the charges? Well, I'm going to read here. So, Worcester, Massachusetts. I have to get my, uh, you know, news. Worcester. 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 A Massachusetts fishing magnet known as the Codfather has pleaded not guilty to a variety of federal charges, including lying on catch reports and cash smuggling. We've all done that. <laughs> who hasn't I mean, done who that? Who hasn't smuggled I cash? <laughs> Smuggle. <laughs> So if you're if you're uh, non magical, you're a muggle smuggler. I was about to say. <laughs> I was just working on a joke about muggles. I couldn't think of it. I barely got. It. I, I I went for the speed rather than the good joke. Yeah. Um, Dartmouth resident Carlos Rafael appeared in federal court in Worcester on Thursday. Worcester to face 27 counts. His bond was increased from one million to two million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, Raphael is the owner of one of the nation's largest commercial fishing operations. He has more than 30 vessels in his fleet, 44 commercial fishing permits, and Carlos' food seafood business in New Bedford. 
The Standard Times newspaper reports that prosecutors requested additional bail after learning that Rafael has U.S. and Portuguese citizenship. His attorney agreed to the bail, saying his client has put up his home and a fishing vessel as collateral. So wait, so having dual citizenship makes you a flight risk? Is that what that's I suppose that's what it's saying, okay. is that he could just go to Portugal and mm-hmm. we'd never see him again. So That's what I would do. So my challenge to you, Clay, okay. is you know how they don't allow cameras in the courtroom? Yes. So my challenge to you is I want you to be Carlos Rafael mm-hmm. as Al Pacino <laughs> from the, the Godfather. Okay. Was he was he that or is it somebody else? I don't know. It's yeah, somebody it was else. Al Pacino. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yes, from a Portuguese guy living in Worcester. Okay, so I got to do this. I got to get rid of the he was wasn't the Godfather Cuban or something? Yes. So now I got to go Portuguese Massachusetts. Yes. You know Hugo would do this perfectly. <laughs> Isn't Hugo that person? <laughs> Hugo is All that right. person. All right. So and what am I do I have lines to read? Yes, and I'll I'll be the judge. Okay. Um Mr. Raphael, you are facing 27 counts. How do you plead? <laughs> I'm so no- like I'm like I'm trying to put this all together in my head. Ah, uh, hang on. Right. Start over. So Start over people. again. God, <laughs> I could do Massachusetts. I could do Portuguese. I don't know if I could do Portuguese Massachusetts. Mister Mister Raphael Carlos Raphael, you are charged with twenty seven counts. How do you plead? No. <laughs> I've already lost. He can't do it. I'm already, I already am in saying in being the person I don't want to be. I, uh, I, I, I'm gonna let you off the hook. I want to. I want to do a, a Portuguese accent, right? That doesn't pronounce R's. So I want to say car, but without the R. I would car. I used to work in an all Spanish school in Massachusetts. Like. Everyone spoke Spanish except for me, right? And, and the teachers. And we were trying to teach the kids how to read using using phonics. And like the teacher would hold up, you know, a couple of letters. You know, O O says ooh, and the kids would go ooh, right? The kids now the kids are new to English, right? Okay, English and, is yeah. And then they, the teacher would hold up a card that had like A R and go ah, and the kids would go ah, and she'd go no ah, and the kids would go ah. She goes, no, A-R says, ah, and the kids go, ah, and she couldn't hear that she had an accent, and they were just making her noise because they couldn't say R because she couldn't say R, and she goes, I don't know why these kids can't read. I'm like, it's because you don't know how to speak English. It's not them. It's you. So anyway, I can't play your game. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. That's true. That's I like it. Yeah. I think it's a story. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, now we have another news story. We should cycle back to have Hugo do that for us. Now, Hugo may not speak to us after making him <laughs> do that story. Um, all right. So we got another story here as soon as I find it. Oh, no. My pages are screwed up. New York Daily News. Big time. Home security investigation. Special agent sees a shipment of... Large fish with cocaine secreted inside. Wait a minute. Secreted? Nah, it's probably secreted. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute. They've invented a new fish called the coke fish. 
You just grab it, take a snort, and let it go. Like it's catch, snort, and release. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving it. Ooh, I got a carca. <laughs> ah. It's going to have new bag limits. <laughs> yeah, three kilos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so this story comes from New York Daily News. And I'm just going to read it. Holy mackerel. Of course. That's how it starts. No one's trying anymore. <laughs> like they've given up. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Yeah. Uh, the feds busted two alleged drug smugglers in Brooklyn after hooking some fish stuffed with cocaine. <laughs> Tristan Daniels and Troy Gonzalez uh, were reeled in after 20 kilos of cocaine were discovered stashed Inside a shipment of frozen fish. Oh, okay. I love how they're using. They were hooked and reeled in. Yeah, they're being very, very, very clever that way. They are Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hipsters. I know. It's a, you know, it's their stuffed fish recipes. It's sure. It's just something different. Uh, they were arraigned Saturday in Brooklyn federal court and released on $150,000 bail. Uh, and then they link to a story. And since this is paper, unfortunately, I can't go to this story. Well, it doesn't matter because I just thought of a new business venture. Oh, good, good. So we we fish migration routes are well documented, well known, right? Uh-huh. So let's say we get a wall between Mexico and the United States and we still need our drugs. Right. Right. Arguably, we still need drugs. Right. You know, you got it. It's to be made. Yeah. Right. No, not we personally, but we as Americans are still going to do drugs. Right. Don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we? Why don't we hire the fish? Why don't we just? <sighs> you see the fish migration. Get a trawler out there to net a bunch of fish that are going to migrate up. Load the fish up with secreted cocaine <laughs> and send them up <laughs> into their migration routes. And all you got to do is catch the, f- the right fish, and then your your drug operation becomes a lottery system. Oh. Yeah, because you're already going to catch so many fish. And once in a while, that one fish will be the fish. Wow. This is the secret to the fishing game dilemma of like how to get more people fishing. That's right. And sell more fishing licenses. Right. So as as the epidemic of drug use grows, mm-hmm. so do, do anglers, mm. the number of anglers. Well, and there's also an obesity issue in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you could <laughs> fill them with Snicker bars. Perfect. Even better. But then you wouldn't need to smuggle them. Well, no. I mean, we're headed to making those things illegal. Well, like in New York, right? In Brooklyn, where you got to pay extra money for a soda. Right. The, the consumption tax, right? So right. Exactly. So it is. Very soon, you, mm-hmm. the only way you can get your Snickers is by going out and catching a bluefish. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wow. That's I, I like the idea of just kind of putting stuff that we need moved around in fish. Right. Plus, salt and chocolate go so well together. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Wow, we've got it all solved. It's all worked out. At the Fish Nerds. Um, Connecticut man, no, sorry, Florida man, an Achalucha Florida man hit by um, a fish and knocked him unconscious. (laughs) The end. (laughs) You don't need to add comedy to that, Dave. That's all done. (laughs) So the man was in a fishing tournament on the Suwannee River and was injured when a jumping sturgeon leaped out of the boat. And hit him and knocked him out. Wow. <laughs> Ronald Dick, 62. Uh-huh. You thought I could stop, but I can't stop. Uh-huh. Ronald Dick, 62, was fishing just upriver of the Manatee Springs when a four to five foot fish came into the boat. Dick and his son <laughs> were traveling 
at about 30 miles an hour mm-hmm. when the fish jumped out of the water, hitting the boat's windshield and operator, according to Fish and Wildlife Commission. Wow. Quote, Dick was taken to local hospital where he was treated for his injuries and released. Mm. Now, do you think when his wife's calling around looking for him to the hospitals, have you seen my husband? And they say, no, we don't have Dick. <laughs> we don't know Dick. We don't know Dick. Um, <laughs> please don't think this can't happen to you, quote. It can't. <laughs> it can't happen to you. Like, it's it's not going to happen to you. <laughs> I think they're pretending. <laughs> if you are boating on the rivers during the summer months, there is a, and this is this is from the Fish and Game Commission. There's a good chance you could encounter a jumping sturgeon in the water. Where was this again? Florida. Right. So I I predict, I predict, just uh-huh. like there's helmet laws for bicycles and stuff, uh-huh. there's going to be boater helmet laws from one incident. From one incident. Yeah. Well, during, all right, Mr. Smarty Pants, during 2015, eight injuries and one fatality was reported on Florida waters from sturgeon strikes. <laughs> I say that we stop trying to save the sturgeon. <laughs> we go back to eating caviar every day. Take those son of a guns out. Oh, they're, my gosh. They're clearly targeting us. They're, you know what? I, I bet there were more sturgeon deaths than shark deaths then. I, I bet you Compare are. Compare the numbers. I would bet. <laughs> I bet there is more. And what would that movie be called? It would be like, da-dun, da-dun. Oh, it's sturgeon. (laughs) Oh, dick! (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Are are we going in the wrong direction for a Maine Highlands show? (laughs) Well, no. No. I can honestly say you have no fear of dying from a flying sturgeon. (laughs) There will be no sturgeon attacks. And let's be fair. Right. He didn't die from, from an accident. There's clearly a pattern. He was attacked. If eight died in that year, it's an attack. That's right. Eight, eight, eight were injured, I think. And one died. And I'm sorry, if, oh my God, if somebody's listening who actually was the person who died, that's horrible. <laughs> the person who died is not listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Would you, I think we can agree on that. <laughs> All right. I, I will leave my guilt. By the way, Dave, uh, yes. if I die from a sturgeon attack... <laughs> I would hope to God everyone laughs at that. (laughs) I'm sorry, girls. Your daddy's dead. What happened? A sturgeon. A great big sturgeon. And I want my kids to go, shut up. (laughs) Get out of town. And my wife would go, well, that's the way he wanted to go. (laughs) A sturgeon killed your dad. Oh. oh no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should go on to another another bit. All right. <laughs> um, I can do sturgeon all day. <laughs> all right. Do I? All right. Here we go. Just more. There's one more. This is a good one. God. <laughs> all right. So this is related. Okay. Beet farming threatens rare dinosaur era fish. Mm. Wait. Uh, wait. <laughs> are, are, 
Can you just read that again? Yes. So this this comes from the takepart.com. Okay. And well, we t- like those guys. They wrote about us. Oh, they did. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's oh, a quality news company. Quality. <laughs> Beet farming threatens rare dinosaur era fish. Hmm. All right. All right. I'm going to wait. <laughs> So I, I I think the first question is, what is a beet farmer? Right. So I I thought for a second because I think of music of beets, <laughs> and I'm thinking a guy who raises drummers. Right. So like I'm like imagining just a rows of drummers going okay one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one e and two e and you know just trying to like work it out right right no no. I thought of a guy in a goatee <laughs> with a beret mm-hmm. and a pair of bongos going, peas, asparagus, and then someone else. cabbage. Yeah. 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 All right. Beat farmer. Um, we're, we're thinking more music and hipsters. And yes. You're talking overalls. We're talking overalls here. Uh, a dam that supplies water to heavily subsidized farmers is driving the pallid sturgeon towards extinction. More sturgeon. <laughs> All right, well. Son of a bitch. This dam is doing us a favor. Yes. We should be in. We should be grandfathered in, quote, from a beet farmer. That's how the manager of the Lower Yellowstone Project Irrigation District in Montana put it. His farmers have been using a dam on the river to supply water for their fields since time Im. Im- Immoral. Since time was invented, longer than the sturgeon evolved. For 112 years. Mm. He says, well, for 112 years anyway. So let's let's think about this, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole notion of grandfathering things. Uh-huh. Now, when, when it's my property that I'm allowed to do stuff on, I want the grandfather clause. Uh-huh. However, if we can grandfather in everything bad we ever did to anybody or to the environment, nothing would ever like get better. Like, <laughs> Oh, well, I'm grandfathering. Well, you know, we we got this global warming problem. Okay. Can we grandfather in my coal burning operation? Why? Well, we've been doing it forever like this. Okay. No. It doesn't work. You know, like it's Well, I have a question. So, you know, so you asked for something like that to be grandfathered. What happens if it's grandmothered? Well, so you're saying it's sexist. I, well, and, and I'm wondering what happens if something is grandmothered. Is, well, it, is women, it just like they tuck you in and give you a cookie? No, no. So women live, live longer than men, right? Oh, they, they true. That means it's it, – to grandfather means it's going to end soon. Grandmothered, you get to go longer. He's asking for the wrong thing. He should, he should be asking to be grandmothered. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what do you live in a barn? Close your door. <laughs> I've been grandmothered. Uh, Are you putting on weight? The pallid sturgeon. What pallid. are you doing with your life? I don't even know what pallid means. I don't know either. Oh, is pallid the species? Or yeah, is, pallid sturgeon. I thought it was an adjective. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, it's a you know, it's like a type of sturgeon. Okay. Now, whether what that word means, I don't know. Uh, the monster fish has depended on the river for 78 million years. Well, if it's a monster, then it's too bad. It's got to go. Roughly since Tyrannosaurus Rex ruled the region. Where is this? This is in uh, Montana. Mm-hmm. Which Where actually, the, there was a bunch of them. I was going to say, if it was somewhere else, I would. My, my daughter's an expert on T Rexes. Right. Now, my question would be Has that river really existed for 78 million years? Probably not. Not in its same place, anyway. Yeah. 
I mean, wasn't everything underwater at some point? Well, when Noah was around. <laughs> right. <laughs> Clearly, when Noah was or around. That, that was only 6,000 years ago. I know. I so. didn't know how long. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with this takepart.com. Yeah, they got to get their Bible and do some science. <laughs> the problem is that, quote, the farmers and the timber and rock, or wait, the, is that the farmers and the timber and rock dam are now killing off the sturgeon. The intake dam is an impressive structure, blah, 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 700 feet across the river, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's an old story. It's a story as old as time. Right. I, I think it's a funny thing because you can do a story like this mm-hmm. on every river with a dam. Right. You can find an example where the dam is hurting fish. Yeah, that's true. Dams are just not good for fish. Well, that's why they're called dams. Dam is a bad word, right? So yeah, that's why they named them that. Otherwise, they'd call them yippies. <laughs> what are you building, a dam? Nope. Yippee. I'm building a yippie, and it's why? a hydroelectric yippie. Yippee. <laughs> yeah, they don't say that. No. They, what are you doing? Dam. Yeah. And, of course, every employee is making the same dumb jokes all the time. I'm a damn employee. Got to go to the damn work site. Yep, getting my damn paycheck. <laughs> Killing the damn fish. <laughs> but we know the sturgeon have it coming. They do. We have to just <clears throat> let them go. They do. And and God bless the dams. Because. <laughs> the yippies. <laughs> the yippies. God, God bless them. Got to rename the Hoover <laughs> Yippie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a naming problem. It's just a marketing problem. Okay. That's all. <laughs> I'm going to rebrand it. But watch out for those sturgeon. Yes. Um, because clearly. They're out to get us. They're out to get us. Well, maybe it's just retribution. We have it coming. Not we. Not you and I. No. Everybody else. <laughs> and that is Fish in the News. Well, that was good news on paper. <laughs> on, paper. on paper, it was Old good school. news. Yeah. No, it was like a newspaper. Yeah. Very strange. So we're here, and it, it might sound like we're doing an advertisement for the Highlands of Maine because we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think that kind of we got to be upfront and honest about that because otherwise, then it does feel like it's disingenuous. I think, mm-hmm. and um, you know, because I I wouldn't have come up here if it wasn't for this. I'm glad I did. It's an incredibly interesting place. I love the vibe of. 150-year-old cabins and really – the fishing we had yesterday was maybe some of the best fishing I've ever had. It was bar none. It was on the Kennebec River with uh, – and uh, it was bar none the best trout fishing I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean it was just one after another. Didn't, they didn't care what we were using, which <laughs> I, I like. We haven't debated the boat yesterday. I like unskilled fishing. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was talking to one of the guys in the boat and – you know, I, I asked him, I said, would you rather catch like, fish all day, mm-hmm. you know, and catch fish at will mm-hmm. or catch one fish the whole day you had to work really hard for? Mm-hmm. And he was saying, I want to work hard for my fish. <laughs> and I said, why? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> he goes, well, because you appreciate it more. I said, so you're saying you'd rather work, you know, like trudge through the woods, find that remote spot, work hard and catch a four-pound bass or, or catch three, four-pound bass an hour. You go for the other one. He goes, 
no, I'd catch three an hour. I said, then what are we talking about? <laughs> Easy fishing is great fishing. <laughs> Easy fishing yeah. is great fishing. Um, yeah, very good. Um, <clears throat> so to listeners who might be wanting to come up here, because I think it is worth coming up here. For sure. Um, some things you ought to know. There, It's a long drive. You should just get that out of, the, out yep. of your system. Yep. Uh, especially once you get off the interstate. It is back roads for like an hour and 40 minutes. About 60 miles. Yeah, back roads. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing. It's not a huge amount of distance. It's just up and down and, stay, and slow locals. Right. Well, that's because of moose. It is because moose of moose. Moose are nature's sturgeons and they're trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> if you drive too fast. I mean, I, we drove coming into town at 10 in the morning yesterday. Yeah. I saw a moose. And then last night after dinner, driving in the pitch black, moose were just there. Yeah. Yeah. There was two moose. I was ripping down this road like it was a normal road and, uh, you know, probably 55 miles an hour. And real quickly, I saw moose just kind of in and out because they're right by the roads um, because I guess road salt and stuff is one of the things that attracts them to the roads. Yeah. Yeah. Scott was telling us that it's their addicts. Right. (laughs) That they're – did, like draws them to the roads. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I get it now. I get why I should be driving 35 miles an hour. And sure enough, saw another moose. Mm-hmm. And they're right by the road. So, um, so yeah. So if you're coming up, you know, understand that. Go to the bathroom as you exit 95. Yep. Because I'm not another one for a long time. That's right. So you should go the, to the bathroom the there. first. So I stopped at the Irving stations are known for having good bathrooms. They are. That's they're a thing. Yeah. Which is brilliant. So I stopped at the first Irving station we found mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They sell lobsters. <laughs> so not only did I find a nice clean bathroom, I was I could buy lobsters if I chose to. Wow. There yeah. you go. Lobsters right there. There it is. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, once you get up here, it's it's really interesting because the town of Greenfield is that it? Am I right with yeah, the town? Yeah, I think so. Um, is you know, there's kind of nothing, nothing, nothing. Little town, little town, and then all of a sudden, this clear like tourist town. Right now, we're right now we're staying at uh, Wilson's on Moosehead. I think we're in Big Moose Township. <laughs> Big Moose Township, yep. as opposed to Little Little Moose Township. Yep. And oh, is that? That's a loon I'm hearing right outside yeah. the window. Yeah. Um, so, and we're pretty much. Tim was saying yesterday that we're in the middle of the lake. So we're not in the north end. We're not in the south end. We're right in the middle. And we're right next to the east outlet. Right. I think that's the Kennebec River. Yeah. At the headwaters. Yeah. Exactly. It's actually a perfect place, which makes sense, right? If this cabin if this series of cabins have been here for 150 years where do you build them you build them next to the best fishing so um but what's nice is as a fishing destination it's so if you're a fishing person and you have people in your family that aren't fishing people but you all want to stay together you got to figure out a place that has both right right so we went fishing yesterday and Kristen. And my girls did not go fishing, although Zoe is upset about that. She was wanting to come. <laughs> but they hiked up. Um, do you know where they went? I don't, but they did find, it, which is really interesting because many people mentioned this to me, a 19, and she's going to report on the story, right? She is. Um, but an old an old airplane crash site. And um, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that story because yeah, it she, sounds, we'll let her tell it. <laughs> yeah, we will. I don't, don't want to mess it up, but yeah. um, super interesting on that. So back to sort of the main highlands and the kinds of things you'd want to see in this area. There are tons of kind of cultural things, right? Well, you have the classic. We we heard um, or will hear from uh, about the the Katahdin, right? The steamships, the steamship. So you have that. You got the historical, like this is where you went on vacation when you were going for a month at a time out of the Boston area. You God, those were train. the days. Oh, oh my God! Come up and go hiking in your wool clothes. <laughs> um, but I mean, you have every outdoor thing you want to do. You mm-hmm. can do here: summer, winter, fall, whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's but there's lots of other things, cool shops. You know, we're going to go to camp, camp. Camp camp. Camp camp and learn about all the oddities in the area. <laughs> There's lots of oddities in this area. Yeah. I, I would say if you're if you're coming up here, you you have to have a love for oddities and like old school tradition stuff. Yes. It's it's grandfathered. Not, right. It's not <laughs> it's not like a like a um San Francisco kind of oddities or a you know, hipster kind of oddities kind of place. Which are all great oddities places. Um, this is like old school sports of field oddities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's field and stream. It is field and stream. It's field and stream. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't, I know I mention it all the time. I can't emphasize enough how impressed I am about seeing it in real life. It is. It's just, you're in a magazine. Right. Yeah, you totally are. So, but you know, breakfast this morning. I'm cooking some trout that we caught yesterday. Yes, and so, I'm glad I didn't keep trout because I didn't have to mess with dead trout. I know. <laughs> I saw you cleaning them. I'm like, ah, I'm glad I'm not doing. I that. know, and I was, and I'm. I, I gave Kristen a shopping list, and she did not buy bacon. <laughs> so, it's just eggs and trout. Yeah, yeah, which would be great. Kristen is very health conscious. She said she never bought a package of cookies for the house. No, she bought her first pack of cookies ever yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I bought lots of cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, good luck with the bacon. Yeah, it'll be great. Maybe you'll get tofu bacon. Ooh, tofu bacon. Yes. We went out yesterday with Wilson's. On Moosehead. Scott and Allison. Scott and Allison and their kids. And their kids, Caleb and... I shouldn't have started this because now I can't name Cody? them Cody? Cody. I think so. It's all C's. It's all C's. Yeah, yeah, my whole boat was all full of C's. Now, Caleb is supposed to be a fishing prodigy. He's 14 years old. He was reported to us as the fish whisperer. The fish whisperer. And and uh, this is a shout out to the, to Lunker Louie down in the highlands <laughs> of Florida. <laughs> we pretty much threw the gauntlet down at you, Louie. Um, because the Caleb... He's fishing the highlands of Maine, and he had big claims. And I fished around with both people. Only one will. <laughs> that could be only one Highlander. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, we'll, we will report and let you know who caught more fish. Yeah, very good. Um, so it was really interesting. One of the best things about it, and then we're going to get pretty kind of nerdy as we go through this, but the uh, the fishing vessels we were on were these amazing. Um, floating rat. We're, we're distracted because we're seeing a truck not quite getting out of the lake. No, it's like they didn't tie the boat to the... Oh, they're taking the boat out. Are they take coming out or going in? I think they're going out. Well, they should, they should stop that rope from unfurling. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, I just watch boats launch all day. I know. Because I've been that guy who doesn't know how to do it. 
and people just watch me and laugh, and now I'm good at it, and now I watch other people and laugh. I don't help them. This would be an excellent place. When you're 95 years old, they ought to park you at this window, <laughs> and you could just sit there and laugh. I've people. seen places where people line lawn chairs up to watch boat people watch boats. <laughs> Like really popular fishing places, people just watch. They just hang out and drink beer and watch people launch boats. <laughs> it's, if you've never done it, it's not as straightforward as you think. No, and it's crazy because there's so many boats on trailers. Why haven't they figured it out? Why haven't – you know, it's There's like, no training. There's no training at all, and trailers are kind of built to sort of barely work. Like they only work just enough. That they're passable. If you make them any more complicated, they will wreck because you're sticking them in the water. I guess, so. but don't you think there should be like if a somebody was doing? Wheel? Yeah, <laughs> if somebody was doing it right, they would have like a crane that would just go out and pick it up, and put it on there. That, that exists. I know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> fishing the Kennebec. Fishing the Kennebec. So that was the Kennebec. It was. Wow. Um, really, really great. So. We started fishing, and these boats, these big blue inflatable rafts, a raft in general sucks because it's this big bouncy house on the water, right? And you can't stand, and you're always falling over. You just described things that don't suck. (laughs) You know, I was told by somebody that, yeah, I tend to go to the negative versus the positive. Right. The words you're using, everything you said sounded totally fun except for the fact that you said it sucks. (laughs) I haven't I haven't finished my sentence. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying. Yeah. I said most rafts suck, mm-hmm. and it's true. It is true. Okay. <laughs> this raft though <laughs> was not your normal raft because a it had some some special um, compartments that fill up different things, but they have these aluminum frames that sit on the top of them, and that is key. Well, then it gives you something solid to be on. Exactly. Comfy seats, but then you lean back and put your feet on a nice, soft, squishy boat. I I said this in all honesty. Those those chairs are more comfortable than anything in my house. And you were able to catch fish from them. It was insane. I can't say enough how enjoyable it was to sit on the front of that raft in this big comfy chair, drink holder right in front of me, and be. I had polarized glasses on so I could see the bottom. I could see the fish moving around and just be ripping trout and smallmouth. There were fish day. everywhere. That first stop we made, we caught between both boats easily 60, 75 fish. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of fish. Maybe it could have been more, but it was, I mean, it was really, we could stay there all day. Yeah. In fact, I was, they said, we want to move on. I'm like, why don't we just paddle back to the truck and go home? Like, we can't do better. <laughs> There's no better than this. Like, why would you want to keep going? Yeah, I know. Like, and And I, you know, when they said, you know, maybe we should move on down the river at that point i had caught three brook trout right in a row right and it was like cast boom cast boom cast boom and i was actually like yeah you know i need to get a little bored with (laughs) not me not me not even a little not even kind of um nope i'm good i don't know why we're going anywhere leave the anchor down it was one after the other the only reason i was bored is that i like species right i like to catch different things Right, and by then, I'd only caught two species of fish. Right. and uh, But by the end of the day, we had um, – Allison caught a wonderful fall fish. I didn't see the fall fish. I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures. Yeah. I saw her catch a salmon. Yep. Butt hooked it. <laughs> yeah, she, she 
totally hooked this fish in the vent, uh, a.k.a. butt. Um, that fish must have been like, really? Oh, again? For crying out loud. It's not even Saturday. Couldn't even rip me a new one yet. <laughs> um, so, I uh, no, family friendly. Right. I know, I'm worried about that now. <laughs> um, but, yes, an Atlantic salmon was caught. Um it was great. The only thing we missed was yellow perch, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't miss them. No, I don't miss the yellow I, perch. I like catching yellow perch when nothing else is biting, but everything else is biting. So. Yeah, when you have these name brand fish biting. Yeah. You know what they were telling me? They don't catch pickerel. Interesting. And I find that surprising because they're big native fish. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I um, The smallmouth, I was dialed in pretty good with the smallmouth. I had the one stick bait, I think, that was really working well. And I could tell people were getting antsy about trying to... St- <laughs> oh, I I saw you catching smallmouth. I'm like, I keep switching my lures to like, whatever. What's, what's Dave catching that thing on? And we didn't have an equivalent lure on my boat. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. And uh, it was the kind of thing, it was a it was a magnum, or uh, I got the name wrong, but it was Yasuri, little three-inch silvery Yasuri that looked just like a smelt. Pretty oh, much. Man. I was so wishing I had my daddy Max with me. Oh my God. It was crazy. Man. And I would, you know, find look at structure, toss it over, and see these fish rocket up from the bottom and turn on these things. The biggest smallmouth was about a four and a half pound smallmouth. It must have been I don't know, close to twenty inches. It was a beast. It was big. It was so wide. big. After you caught that, I was like, let's go home. I, I just can't <laughs> we had to go home anyway, but like I, and that I was spot, that spot, Caleb had one follow that was probably, if not that one, uh, same you know size. Well, what Caleb happened, happened I was there, and, mm-hmm. and he caught a like a nine inch smallie, mm-hmm. and then a monstrous one was chasing that, oh, Jesus. like going after it. That must be such a a quandary for that middle fish, the one that got caught. Like, oh no! And then someone's going, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. You're on the fish and you're like, pull, pull, pull faster, pull yeah. faster. Because I know you're going to let me go. Yes. No <laughs> one keeps bass. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the the one I caught. And then before, just before I caught that four and a half pounder, I hooked into a big one and lost it. Now, I don't know if it was the same four and a half pounder because I was It's amazing same. you can lose a fish with that many treble hooks. I know. Well, it only has two treble hooks and they are small, I must say. It's amazing you can lose a fish with and, two big, sharp treble hooks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is. It is. I was surprised I lost it. Yeah, but totally good. Um, our hosts were fantastic and fantastic. put us on fish, did all the work. Almost. You know, we shouldn't underestimate how great the hosts were because it's really easy to screw that up. Um, you know, to to... Take somebody fishing and, you know, get uptight about something or just have a vibe that isn't conducive. Mm-hmm. Um, even just basic respect for the fish. And it's kind of a hard thing to quantify, but you know it. When you're with somebody that doesn't quite get it yep. and doesn't respect the fish, it totally bums you out. And doesn't read their people they're fishing with very well. Right. That's so, the other thing. So these these guys got us. Yeah. You know what's funny? So you were on the boat with the... The kids. The kids. I was on the kid boat. You were on the kid boat. <laughs> I was on the boat with Allison and... Uh, Scott. Scott. And they've been married 21 years and, uh, and, and been together since high school. And uh, they're a kick. They're a kick. They are a party. 
And, <laughs> and uh, sure. they, they absolutely, I don't know, it was just a joy being out there with them because they clearly enjoyed the, um, they enjoyed being with each other. Yep. It was really nice. Yeah. And they were both good at fishing. Yes, absolutely. And, and that same angle of like not getting uptight about it. It's no. not like somebody yelling at you because you're doing something wrong. No. You know? So that was, it really was uh, the best kind, kind of fishing I like to do. You know, super nice people. I can see the water floating down. Somebody's doing all the paddling. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, it was, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. It was really crazy. Some of the things we didn't experience uh, in the Moosehead fishing le- is the big lake. Right. And um, the big lake is primarily, looks like it's dominated by trawlers. Trawlers? Trolling? Trolling. Trolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trawlers is different, isn't it? Uh, trolling, and um, which makes sense, right? Because in a big lake like this, especially with Atlantic salmon, we see this in Winnipesaukee. Um, lots of trawling with, uh, trolling, trolling. I don't, I don't know what they troll with. I, trolling is something I haven't figured out yet. So I haven't figured out either. I've done it, but I don't know how we do it. I just go people who do all the work. So, right. Have you heard the whole colors thing? Um, you know, they'll say, what color are you trolling at? Yeah. And it has something to do with lengths of lead line. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I have no idea. The whole of this show. I have no idea. But they'll say that. They'll say, oh, yeah, you know, we're catching salmon and we're at the blue, you know. Great. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, but there's that whole lake fishing we could have experienced, which I think is awesome. Yeah, we really need to spend a week doing this kind of stuff. You know, you do. Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, I think there's enough right around this lake that a whole family could find something to do for a week. No question. Yeah. Um, the Highlands goes beyond this lake, though, by the way. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it goes to, like, Katahdin. Right. The mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, even over to Bangor, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yep. So, to really experience the main Highlands, um, you know, you really would need a whole lot of time. Fish nerds aren't going to be able to travel everywhere. But... No, we can't do it for you. Right. <laughs> um, but I am hugely grateful for the opportunity to come up to an iconic place like this. Totally great. Um, because, I mean, fish nerds are happy wherever, but it really is nice to have that name brand experience. It is. You know, Dave, we are the name brand experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, we are the name brand experience for the 21st century. Yeah. And we had, we had dinner last night at Kelly's. Um, yeah. And the fun thing driving into Kelly's is there's, there's like seaplane parking. Yes. Like there's just there's float planes everywhere. I know. It's I, really neat. I so bad want to get on one of those. I know. I know. The seaplanes looked really, really interesting. And Kim, the owner, came down and, and chatted with us. Incredibly nice woman. Super nice, yeah. And turns out she lives in New Hampshire. Yep. And, down your way almost. Yeah, down down in the southern part of New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny when we do the podcast because people see microphones and they see cameras and they get completely... Uh, self-conscious. Right. But she was fabulous. She was fabulous. She wouldn't go on tape, but man, she would have been great. I know. We tried to talk her into it, and um, she wouldn't do it, but she really well-spoken, really great. So Kelly's Landing is another – she had owned it since 93, I think. Right. And that's one of those restaurants where people pull in on their boats right to the dock, get their dinner on the dock, pull out. So we were, were fortunate enough to get to meet 
with Liz from the Moosehead Marine Museum. Now, I thought I was expecting to see a lot of military stuff there. Really? Yes, because it's a marine museum. So oh, I, thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought, see, you know, like the Iwo Jima. Oh, you know, and, I wouldn't even. I, I know I think the word marine. If uh-huh. I'm thinking military. I think that. Uh-huh. If, I think, if I'm thinking water, I think salt water. Salt water. You know, that is kind of interesting. But if you, uh, I thought the same thing. But I did some work years ago with the uh, boating industry, and no, it's all marine. And if you think about like the boat shops around lakes, marinas, it's, like, it's all marinas, and it's marine. It's like you know. Joe Joe's Marine. Yeah, doesn't feel right. Yeah, but it's true. Mm-mm. But anyway, so, so Liz. Does that mean anyone who sells stuff near the water is a merchant marine? <laughs> yes. I think you're right. Yeah, that insults all the merchant marines. Sorry. We actually have one merchant mariner who listens to the show. We do. Whose name is uh, Captain Sean Haggerty. So, so we've yeah. offended you. Oh, I want to get Captain Sean Haggerty with Captain Sean. Who's Tibbs, a marine. Who's a marine. So I want to get a merchant marine and a marine to go fishing together. Both whose name are Captain Sean. <laughs> Man, mind blown. Crazy. My name is Liz Cannell. And you're from? The Moosehead Marine Museum. So, Liz, I'm Clay. That's Dave. We're the Fish Nerds. And thanks for meeting us here. Where are we? Kelly's? Kelly's Landing. Kelly's Landing. Greenville Junction, Maine. Right. This is like a landmark, right? It really is, yeah. yes. <laughs> and it's probably the best um, place to come if you're going to have lunch and want a really nice view of the lake. Well, we've got yeah. we've got dinner planned afterwards, oh, and, and we're right on Moosehead Lake. It's a fantastic lake. It is. It's beautiful. And, and you're from the Moosehead Marine Museum? Yes. And tell us just briefly, what is that? The Moosehead Marine Museum was started um, in 1977, and um, its primary exhibit is the steamboat Katahdin, okay. which is the last remaining steamship that of a fleet of one time was estimated to be over 50 steamboats so, on the lake. So back up a little bit. There were sure. 50 steamships on this. Yes, lake. maybe not at the same time. <laughs> what did yeah. they do? What was their job? Was they, it uh, everything, actually. And it was actually, uh, Moosehead Lake used to be a primary destination for um, families all along the eastern seaboard who would come up during the summertime and leave the cities for the pristine waters and air of this region. Mm -hmm. And so they would travel by train up to the Greenville Junction, which is right over there. Yes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been fantastic. And you could actually get off of the train right over where we're looking at the Greenville Junction, and you could board your steamship right there and be taken up the lake to any number of different hunting camps or resorts, the most um, famous of which, of course, is Kineo House Resort. Um, I don't know if you guys made it up as far as Kineo, but no, it was but a spectacular um, hotel that had uh, 450 rooms, and they had a symphony orchestra that played two times a day, and families would come. Businessmen would bring their families, and um, the businessmen would then travel back to the city as, as needed, but the families would stay for the summer. And uh, the other function of the steamboats, um, some of them were pleasure boats. So, yeah. Yeah. And That's so they even had races. They, <laughs> yeah, they did. And then um, they also served to carry cargo and um, people for other reasons and U.S. mail and cool. everything. It was a primary mode of transportation on the lake. That's amazing. That's and, amazing. And well, so I'm hearing stories about... about piles of these things in the bottom of this lake. Is that a real thing? It is. <laughs> you know... Um, in the 90s, and oddly enough, um, a previous executive director of the Moosehead Marine Museum was my father. Oh. And, yeah, it's nice. strange. I'm in the family business. Yeah. And um, 
And uh, they had a diver in the 90s go and um, sort of around this area. This is West Cove, and then East Cove is where the boat is. And um, they mapped 17 different um, spots where steamboats had sunk to the bottom of the lake. Are they mapping like using sonars or something? No, in the 90s it was 90s. This, this wonderful dude named Christopher Hugo who literally drew them, marked an X on a map. And so when I first took the job three years ago and I was digging through stuff and sort of figuring out how the heck I was going to do this job, I found these maps and it just captured my imagination. I was like, whoa, there's steamboats on the bottom of Moosehead. Right. How does that impact the uh, fish habitats? Um, I think they've become fish habitat. Perfect. All right. And as a matter of fact, reefs. one of the gentlemen that I'm working with right now, we're working on trying to put together a, a short documentary on the steam, the shipwrecks of Moosehead, has done some diving on some of these um, wrecks and is actually, one of his films on YouTube has like this bass, you know, and it, you hear there's no bass in Moosehead Lake, but the fact is there's a big one. There's a big one. A big one. Yeah. Why are there ships on the bottom of the lake? That's the question. Right. Tsunamis? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, the great tornado. <laughs> no, um, so <laughs> what happened was that, um, again, this is in the age, I suppose it was the earliest form of planned obsolescence, but when the boats were had reached the end of their useful lives, they were reportedly either, uh, disposed of in a number of ways. Either they'd be pulled up onto the shore and sort of left to rot, mm-hmm. Or they'd be burned to the water line and sunk. And then there were those that sank for an unfortunate circumstances like that big tsunami. And, <laughs> right, and so um, as it happens, uh, over time, and any number of them ended up on the bottom of the lake. Wow. Now, steam, I always had the impression that steam had the unfortunate characteristic of blowing up. If... Well, it was powered by coal. And that's fire. Oh, yeah, and okay. these were wooden boats. So you can see how the danger would... Yeah, and, yeah. and our boat, as a matter of fact, the Katahdin, um, was built in 1914, and she's got a steel hull, but she was steam in the beginning. Mm. And um, she was converted to diesel in 1922, I believe, because of the fact that, you know, coal and wood boats, not so good. Um, and then the, so she's got two Detroit diesel engines in her. Oh. Um, so she's a steamboat, but really she was only a steamboat for, Souped up. for a little while. Yeah. Souped we, up Detroit. We, we, yeah. We take her out and, you know, we have like drag races and stuff. Perfect. We always lose, but she's much prettier than the other boats. Perfect. And you offer people tours on, on yes, that boat? Yes, we do. Um, the thing that's remarkable about this boat is that it's actually the oldest operating um uh, steam, I mean, uh, steel-hulled boat built by Bath Ironworks. Mm. She's hull number 63, and um, the boat was built after the original Katahdin burned. Number 62. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> she wasn't steel, she was wood. Right. Right. <laughs> and so the steel hull was actually built at Bath Ironworks and brought up to the lake and then put together. And here, and Steamship Point is right over here that you can see off of uh, Kelly's Landing, is where the Coburn Steamboat Company had their headquarters. And local artisans then built this, the wooden superstructure. After uh, the heyday of the hotels, the um, automobile became much more popular and the railroads kind of declined. Yeah. And so the business of the great hotels went down and the boat was purchased by Scott Paper Company. And so for many years, it, it uh, carried log booms up and down <laughs> the uh, lake. And so speaking of fish habitat, in 1970, early 70s, um, it was really determined that the that was not a great way to tow logs because it impacted the um, the 
lake and and was not good for the fishery and so mm -hmm. forth. And so Scott Paper um, had the last log drive. Our boat was in the last log drive in 1976. And then they were going to, I mean, they basically were going to scuttle the boat. And so a bunch of local citizens got together, mm -hmm. bought it for a dollar. Wow. I know. That's a bargain. Although well, you've ever owned a boat. at the time, yeah. <laughs> you know? it's, it's a hole in the water into which one pours money. Yeah. Surrounded by wood or steel. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> And at the time, trust me, this boat was not in good shape. I was 16 years old. We had a camp on the lake, and I was being a brat, and I was bored. And my father was like, oh, yeah, well, why don't you come up here? And so he made me give tours on this boat. <laughs> and so 30 years later, I'm actually the executive director of the museum, which is just so remarkable to me. Wow, and over those crazy. years, they've just done so much to restore this this mm -hmm. um, steamship. She's, To me, she's... She's like the one constant for the last hundred years, you know. In any in any um, community, um, things come and go. Economy gets better, it gets worse, but every, you know you can really count on the Kate. Well, that's really the Kate, yeah. huh? That, uh, that's her nickname. I love the it. Katahdin is known as the Kate. Um, you ask anybody in this town, everybody feels like that's their boat. That's good. Now, yeah. so you talked about this this documentary about yes. to get made. Is there a Kickstarter campaign or something going on? Yes, yeah, so we have a GoFundMe page. And um, we've also uh, got sort of started our own website. So there's actually a trailer for the film. And um, I can forward the information to you for the links to all that we'll Do that. And we'll put that all on fishners.com. Oh, and people can just go right there yeah. and check it out. It's just so exciting it. for us. You know, to me, uh, with the history piece of it, you know, I mean, who wouldn't be? You think of shipwrecks in the ocean, you know, but we've got this huge lake. And the thought of it is just so cool. And from a historical standpoint, to be able to tell the story of these, you know, these great boats and the way things used to be at Moosehead Lake through the capturing the footage of these ships that still lie yeah. there. It's just kind of romantic and cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, fish nerds are known for their romance, so I know. Yeah, well, you know, I could tell that right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. I, I looked, I said, those are a couple of romantic yeah, guys. There yeah. you go. So we, <laughs> got it right we away. snuggle sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us, how do we find out more about the Moosehead Marine Museum? You go to our website, which is www.katahdincruises.com. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Mm. Katahdincruises.com. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. um, and, you know, actually the boat is such a big draw. And uh, it's got information about the museum, about the Katahdin. Mm -hmm. And I will make a shameless plug for sure. the fact that you can buy tickets online. We start cruising June 24th and we go through Columbus Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad to know that the boat's name's Kate around town. I just thought she was a really friendly girl around town. Oh, Everybody yeah. goes, oh, we love Kate. Have you met Kate? Oh, yeah. you met oh, Kate's Kate. awesome. Oh, have you seen she's Kate? She's kind of big. <laughs> but she is awesome. She's a little broad in the beam. <laughs> yes, she but... smells funny. And she yeah. needs a facelift every year because yeah. she's really old. Love it. But we love Kate. She's awesome. <laughs> so, that is it. That's it. You have listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been fishing. We should have been fishing in the highlands of Maine. Oh, look at that. See what I did there? I saw what you We'd did like to there. thank our families for supporting us while we podcast going fishing quest, coming on fishing quests, and doing all sorts of silly things that middle-aged guys do. <laughs> we would like to thank the highlands of Maine Yay. for sponsoring our trip up here and uh, really opening tons of doors for us to be able to talk to all these folks here at Moosehead Lake. It's really been a fabulous Right, and we please go to our website, fishners.com, and check out all the 
pictures and stories from this uh, this trip, and we're going to have that ongoing. And if you ever have any questions, and I know this podcast is going to live forever, but uh, send us an email, and if, if we're dead and gone, <laughs> send it send it to Wilson's because they're going to be here. So until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. Take a couple nerds fishing. Yeah. <laughs> See? Exactly right. He says, he asked, have you listened to our podcast? I said, yeah. And he says, and you're still excited to have us here. I'm like, I know. Yeah. That's <laughs> that is really good news. <laughs>